All right, so if you chose to be here for today, the first time you chose to be here, um, man, it's, <laughs> it's awesome. We've been running up and building up to a couple of things, but you've come, you've come this is the message that Jesus wants the church to hear. So you're in the right place at the right time to get activated as a part of His body. Um, let's read in, in Acts 10 a couple of verses. And that will kind of lead into our message today. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts 10, you're welcome. I think it will be on the screen for us to follow along as well. In the message translation, it says, You know the story of what happened in Judea. It began in Galilee after John preached a message of total life change. Then Jesus arrived from Nazareth, anointed by God and with the Holy Spirit, ready for action. He went through the country, helping people and healing everyone who was beaten down by the devil. He was able to do all this because God was with him. Now, there's some scholars that believe that this verse 38, that there's no better verse in the Bible that kind of sums up the life and ministry of Jesus Christ. In another translation, um, verse 38 says, says that he went about doing good, healing all of those who were sick and oppressed by the devil. He went about doing good and healing all those who were sick and oppressed by the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but man, if this, was, if this is what Jesus' life was about, and as the church, we're part of his body, then this is what his church should be about. Going about doing good and healing those who are sick and oppressed of the devil. Don't you think so? I mean, this has kind of been, for me, when I, when I realized that, that this verse is a good summary of Jesus' life, I was like, well, is this a summary of my life? Can I say that I am busy going about doing good to others and healing people who are sick and who are f feeling oppressed by the devil? And um, to be honest, I could say some, but I desire for it to be so much more. I desire for, I mean, if, if, if this is what people said of Jesus when he, after he died, what would, what would people say of us after we die? Would it, would it be, man, you know, he built a great company. Man, he made a lot of money. Man, he owned a lot of property. Man, he, you know, and then you fill in the blanks there. Or is it going to be, man, he went about doing good. And he healed people from stuff that they were struggling with. I wish that we would be a church that is known in Crowley for going about doing good and healing people who are sick and oppressed of the devil. Think of the impact that we can make if us as a church band together and we start pursuing this in Crowley and in Rain and Kaplan and the surrounding areas. Um, so <clears throat> let that kind of be for us a, a call uh, that God is saying, come on, guys, you can do this. I've sent you my son. He is residing on the inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that raised him up from the dead is now residing on the inside of each and every one of you. And collectively within you as a church body, you can do this. You can go about doing good and healing people. Um, and so here's why it's necessary. Have you ever felt that Life is just against you. Things just doesn't work out for you. You know, we say things like, well, with my luck, fill in the blanks. <laughs> we have an expectation for things to go bad, don't we? You know, somebody, 
said it, you know, hoping for the best but expecting the worst. How many of you live with that kind of philosophy? Don't, 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 don't put up your hand. You don't want to live with that philosophy <laughs> of life, okay? <laughs> um, people in our communities feel that just life is against them. And this is where you can start filling in some of the blanks on your, on your, on your note page if you're a note taker. We're in an era of life where we're so connected digitally, but, but we're so disconnected relationally. How many of you actually, and I hope this is a good number, how many of you actually are friends with your neighbors? Couple. All right, good, good. That's good. I know that it is very easy to completely ignore the people that are right next to us while we're connecting to people that are hundreds of miles away from us. And not that it's bad to be connected to people far away through digital media. It's just that we should be connected to the people right next to us as well. And those are the very people we actually can influence and, and affect the most. And sometimes we spend most of our efforts in the areas where we'll be least effective. And we kind of want to turn that around and look at our environment. How can Crowley benefit from me being in Crowley? How can Rain benefit from me being there? Is it going to make a difference if I leave? Am I going to be missed when I leave? These are the kinds of things that I grapple with. Is, well, if I leave Jennings now, is anybody going to notice? And it doesn't have to be a lot of people. But if somebody would notice, it would mean that I've actually spent my energy on somebody, not just on myself. People feel that life is against them. And here's another thing that, they, that, that unfortunately is the truth, is people don't know that Jesus is for them. And the church has often done a bad job at this, letting people know that God is for them. I think the church have often done the opposite, informing people that God is mad at them, and God condemns their actions, and God is in disagreement with what they do and how they live. And there's a place for bringing correction. But you know what? It's far easier to correct somebody when you have a relationship with them than when you're shouting at them from across an aisle. In fact, the one breeds, breeds um, further relational breakdown and it doesn't achieve much. Whereas the other one actually gives you the chance to speak some sense to somebody. And here's, here's how, how, we, how, how we'll achieve that, is people won't know that Jesus is for them until they know that we are for them. It's not enough for us to just tell people Jesus is for you. People need to experience that Jesus is for them. And the only way on earth that people can experience that Jesus is for them is when the church tells them that we are for you. That leaves a little, that leaves some of our actions wanting, doesn't it? How often have we made it clear to people that, you know what, if you do that, you're not welcome here. Where in fact, the only place where we have a chance of changing their minds is if they're with us. If they experience this with us. If they can see why we think and believe the way we believe and think. 
And so we want people to feel that they belong even before they believe what we believe. And in order for people to feel that they belong, they need to know that we're for them, that we actually care about them, whether they believe what we believe or not, whether they think like us, look like us, act like us or not, they need to know they're welcome here. They need to know that we want them here. Because that's what Jesus did. Look, none of us believed, thought, acted like Jesus did when he arrived on the scene. None of us. None of us deserved his attention. But he gave it to us anyways out of his love and grace. And I think we need to get that right, that order right. It's first going to be love, attention, and acceptance and then it might lead to repentance, belief, and change lives. You see, we often talk about kind of this, the, the whole religious mindset that says, look, I have to make myself, you know, I have to do good works in order to be accepted by God. But we don't, we don't realize that it's, it's actually the environment that we create that makes people feel that they first need to kind of, you know, figure it all out, clean themselves all up before they get here, because if they don't, they're not going to be welcome. I hope for us to be a community where people belong before they even have to believe, where people feel welcome and feel a part of what we're doing before they fully even understand what it is about. People need to know we are for them, because we are for them. They'll start assuming, well, if the church is for me, it must mean God is for me. And does that mean that we're just going to confirm people's lifestyles and just let them be with them? No. But we have to get the order right, see? See, Jesus took a step of faith by coming. He didn't wait for our response to be positive before he said, all right, good, I'll die for you. No, he just died for us in hope and faith that we would respond. And that's the same action we need to do. We just need to serve people. Whether they, whether they accept our message or not, that's acting like Jesus would act. That's sharing the love, love the same way Jesus would share it. It's by faith. It's through, from hope. It's not from evidence. It's not when people confirm that, all right, good, I'll join your church. I'll believe what you believe. All right, good, now I will start serving you. No, 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 no. No, it happens. We start serving. We start loving way before. All right, so... Um, I want to read a, a scripture verse now about just what this means for us as, as disciples of Jesus, because we've bought into a we've bought into a an idea that you know when I serve Jesus that you know everything needs to go well with me, and that in fact if I am not doing well and everything around me is not doing well, um, that you know. Something is either wrong or, uh, or I'm doing it wrong or I'm, I'm still being punished for something of sorts, etc. Um, and the fact is just that it's not true. You know, <laughs> this Christian walk is first and foremost not about us. It's about a holy God who deserves to be honored and glorified. It's about a, a God who is worthy to be worshipped and praised, regardless of 
whether it's going well or tough with us. And so many times when I talk to people, I realize that they started serving God, but it's, it's never transitioned from me serving God for, for me, for what I can get from it, to I'm serving God because He's worthy. I'm serving God because He is, His glory is my goal, not my blessing or my comfort, breakthrough, my promise, my prophecy, my purpose. None of those things are bad things, but they become bad if they become central because they're not meant to be central. We're not meant to build our lives around our pursuits and our promises. We're meant to build our lives around Christ and His plan and purpose for this world and our lives and how we fit into that, not how He fits into our agenda. So it's very important for us to just realize that when, when Jesus invites us into His world, not the other way around, things could look very different from what it's looking right now. And it looked very different for the disciples. We read a story in, in Matthew 4 verse 18 when Jesus called um, the, the brothers Peter, uh, Simon also called Peter and Andrew, um, to, uh, to come follow Him, that all of a sudden, something, things started shifting for them. Now think about this. They've been doing fishing all their lives. They kind of know how it works, you know. Get up in the morning, it's still dark, yet we've been doing this so long, we know how this works. We know where the nets are, we know where the boat is, we know where to put things, we know. And so they would just do everything. It would be in the dark and they would go about getting themselves set up, they would head out. They know the oceans, they've been doing this all their whole lives, you know. So nothing, nothing out of order. It's like, it's like just another day, you know. Comfortable structured, everybody knows what's going to happen next, you know, we're going to go out, we're going to get there, we're going to let the nets down, we're going to catch some fish, we're going to bring it out, we're going to clean the nets, we're going to clean the fish, tomorrow we're going to do it all over again. And Jesus comes on the scene, and that serene, comfortable, routine, structured, ordered life of theirs, all of a sudden, went, goes, gone. And here's what verse 19 says, it says that, um, of, of, of Matthew 4, verse 19, says, Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I'll show you how to fish for people. They left their nets and they followed him, but then news started spreading about Jesus as far as Syria, and people soon began to bring all those who were sick to Jesus. And whatever sickness or disease, if they had a demon that they were possessed with, or if they were epileptic or paralyzed, Jesus healed them all. This is... <laughs> This is a, a bit of a scene change from knowing where everything is to knowing how everything works to all of a sudden like, oh my goodness, why are all these people coming? And guess who had to manage the crowds? It was the disciples. Have you ever been in a consulting room with an impatient, irritated patient? Have you ever been an irritated, <laughs> impatient patient <laughs> in a waiting room waiting to get treated? You know, and then the lady at the reception, I'm very sorry, doctor is taking us a little bit longer than usual. We will get to you soon. And there's a guy, but my son's dying. And then, I know, but you know, he can kind of raise the dead as well. And you're like, wow, that's so insensitive. You're saying my son's going to die. No, I'm not saying he's a man. Chaos. People that are demon manifesting and people that are like going to epileptic shock. And, and the disciples are there like, 
how do we deal with this? And like Jesus is still busy. And, and all of a sudden, not so routine anymore. All of a sudden, Jesus invites them into his world and they have to just hold on because he's going somewhere and they have no clue how this new life works. Sometimes that can be quite frightening. I know, I know. But I think these stories are included in Scripture so that we will realize that even though it looks chaotic, at the end of the day, you know, after Jesus committed to going and praying for the guy's daughter who was dying, and the disciples are like, oh my goodness, you know, we need to get you there, we need to get you there, he's going to die. Eventually he gets there and he still raises the child. Eventually he gets to Lazarus and he still calls him out. And it tells us, hey, calm down. He's coming. <laughs> calm down. He's going to help us with this. For us, that's a confirmation. It's an affirmation that, hey, yes, he is inviting us into things that are new. Yes, he's inviting us into things that might, be, might feel slightly scary. But he is inviting us. It's not just a random guy that's getting us involved in something weird. It's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's the God of the universe that wants us to join him in this journey. And that if we would go and we will not walk away, we will see the breakthroughs. We will see order reestablished. We will see beautiful things happening through his ministry. But we got to kind of step in and stay in. You know the people who who step out prematurely, they never get to see how things resolve. And you know what? They often stay stuck in that moment of chaos because it never resolved for them. So God is inviting us on this journey. Yes, it might be chaotic. Yes, at times it might feel like, oh my goodness. I'm sure those disciples that sometimes they always say, man, this was a bad idea. I should have just, I should have just stayed with my nets. But Jesus wants us to be a part of the process as much as he wants us to be to see the product and um so you know every every other day jesus would take the disciples aside and he would debrief with them you know and then i'm sure the disciples are like oh my goodness what was that that guy was like frothing at the mouth and you know jesus was like well let me explain to you this is what happened you know this is what happens when, 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 when demons are oppressing people and when they, when they help make people suffer. And this is what happens when people are sick and people get, get, get frustrated. And um, this is what happens when the kingdom of God is not in a place and Jesus will help them debrief and he will explain to them the purpose of him coming. It wasn't just to save people. It was for him to come and correct how things are done. It was for him to bring his kingdom into an environment and change how things operate so that things will start looking different. People will start living different. And Jesus would explain to them. And like, I'm sure there were times when, you know, after Jesus had spoken about something and explained something, they were just standing there. What, what did he just say? I don't, I don't know even what he said right now. But Jesus would patiently just debrief with them and help them along the journey to coming to understand that, hey, this was not him just bringing them in and trying to get them to come into a different routine. Like, you know, we know how Christianity works, right? You know, you get up on a Sunday morning. Sometimes it's still dark. You, know, you take a shower, make some breakfast, get the kids ready, get in the car. Everybody tries not to fight. 
step into the church, happy, happy, good, good, clap, clap, praise Jesus, listen to the word, oh, I feel good, all right, now I go home. And then before I know it, it's Sunday again. You know, we know the routine. We can almost do it with our eyes closed, right? No. <laughs> that is not why Jesus came, just to bring us out of one routine into another routine. Jesus didn't come to just bring us a new rule book that we need to be living by. Jesus came to invite us into what the kingdom of God does on earth. It fixes stuff. It changes things. It addresses issues. That's what he called the church to do. He called us to go about doing good, healing people, saving people from what they're bound to. You know who you're going to be dealing with if you do that? The sick, the demon oppressed, the rebellious, the undesirable people, the people that, are, that, are, that don't look like we do. They don't talk like we talk. You know, they've got other vocabulary that we're not supposed to use. But how do we, how do we react to that? Here's how we react. Jesus says, come. Come. You're welcome. You're welcome. The other day I walked on our Jennings campus. And right at the entrance of our door to our, to our worship center, on the windowsill, three cigarette stubs put out on the, on the windowsill, right there. And I walk by it, and I think to myself, it! who is the idiot who put these things here and didn't take it away? And the Holy Spirit almost like, he was just like, he, here's what he said to me, be glad they were here. Help me, help me think different. Help me think different. Now, sure, we can find it, probably find an ashtray, you know, or a sand thing that they could put it in. It doesn't need to be on the window. So. But the bottom line is we have people, real people, people that are normal people, people that are struggling with things, come to our church. They feel welcome. They feel like they belong. They feel they belong. They belong well enough them to do what they would do at home at our church and that for me is perfect now do we want them to stay addicted no but i would rather get them there and see with them how they get breakthrough through from that than wait for them somehow by some miraculous way to do it somewhere where there's nobody actually walking with them to try and get it done and never get it done and always feel condemned that they're not getting it done and therefore never stepping into our environment and never hearing the life-changing words of Jesus Christ being shared with them. I would rather have that. And so that is how Jesus has responded, how he wants us to respond. And I'm sure when they were standing there, blank face staring at Jesus, he would say this to them, welcome to the good news tour. Welcome to the good news tour. We're about to share some good news with people who don't deserve it. And guess what? We don't deserve it either. We never deserved it. That's why salvation isn't based on works, you know? Because if it was based on works, we could boast. We could all sit here and say, oh man, you know, I did this all by myself, you know, and I made myself righteous. And well, that guy out there who's not doing it the way I'm doing, well, you know, you know he, he's, just, he's just not good enough yet to be around us. And it becomes this exclusive little club, you know, 
for those who are living perfect and yet, you know, actually in the dark and secret and all that, doing all sorts of other things. Because if you're in pride, you cannot be without sin. You cannot beat sin if you're still stuck in pride. If you're stuck in a sin pattern, go sort out the pride in your life. It'll help you to humble yourself and get over that sin pattern in your life. I say that from experience, not from judgment. I was stuck in a sin pattern in my life for such a long time. And it was because I felt superior to other people. If you humble yourself before the Lord, He will help you break through, break free from that sin pattern. Um, but this is the outlook Jesus wants us to, to have on our community. So what do we do? How do we, how do we act in this good news tour? How do I join it? How do I become part of it? It's easy. First point you can fill in there is just, just help somebody. You don't even have to help a bunch of people. Just help one person. What act of kindness can you share with one person that makes you actually see that person and respond to what you're seeing, not ignoring? I, I loved it so much when, when Pastor Bubba said, you know, when you're, trying to, when you're trying to get into a different lane and there's cars coming, you know, nobody looks at you. Because the moment they look at you, you're going to go, hey, can I go? And then they're going to go, I have to say no to you, you know, and be, be a, you know, a mean person. Or they're going to have to go, all right, good, you can go. So they just ignore you. Because what they don't see, they don't have to take responsibility for, right? Can we just see people? Can we just actually acknowledge that I just saw somebody who had a need that I probably have the capacity to address. And I just looked away and ignored it. And can we not do that no more? Can we just go, I'm going to help this one person today. And we don't have to help everybody. I know sometimes when you help somebody, you know, the whole you know, world flocks to you. I know. But if you've helped somebody, then you can say, hey, I've helped this person today. I can't get to all of you. I can help this person today. Let me focus on him. And that'll be fine. But we can all help somebody. Because everybody of us have received something to give. Now today we're gonna we're gonna do a little activation after church. We're gonna give each and every one of you a uh, a little card that says um, I think it says something like uh, just to remind you that God loves you, right? And on it is a little five dollar bill stapled onto it. And this is not for you to buy gum with. This is for you to give to somebody. We're gonna each receive that today to give it to somebody to tell them that hey. We went to this church, and this weird church, pastor from South Africa wanted us to tell people that God loves them. And so I'm just doing what he told me to do. And uh, I want you to, and, and, and I kind of felt, I kind of felt that God wanted me to give it to you today to let you know that he loves you. And I know it's not much, but I hope it reminds you that he's aware of you. He, he wants you to know that he loves you. And, um, but, but here's the thing. Is we're going to do that just to kind of get stuff going a little, get the juices flowing a little. But here's the thing. How, how, how much have you received in other things in life that you can become generous with helping another person? I mean, how, how many of you woke up today and you just got 20 hours of, of, of day? Like somebody, somebody stole four hours from you. You didn't, you didn't get your whole tally of 24 hours for the day. Or I'm sure nobody woke up and they just got assigned 20 hours, right? Okay. We all get 24 hours every day. 
So for you to give one today doesn't mean you're going to end up only having 23 tomorrow. It's an endless supply until it's the end for you. But until that, it's an endless supply. It's, it's, it's not going to change, which means that you can actually take an hour a day and give it to somebody. You don't have to go, well, I don't have enough for myself already. You're going to get 24 more tomorrow. So take one and give it to somebody today. What about your life? Have you received energy, focus, intelligence? And if you share some, share some wisdom with somebody today, you're not going to wake up dumber tomorrow. Some of these things don't stop. And we can freely give to our colleagues, to our kids, to our spouses, to our, to our, our neighbors from these internal things that we've been blessed with. Um, so I want to encourage you, do something with that. Here's a lie we face. Don't, I don't have what it takes to do this. I don't have what it takes to do this. The Bible says in 2 Peter that we have received all things that pertains unto living a godly life. When Peter and John was walking uh, to the temple, a beggar asked them for money. And their response was just, look, we don't have money. But we do, but we have received something. We've received so much trust and faith in Jesus that we know if we'll pray for you, you'll stand up and walk. And so they just said, hey, we don't have money, but what we do have, we'll give it to you. Come on, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Stand up, stand up. In the name of Jesus, walk. This is your time to start walking. And they were like, and he, God went up and he stood up and walked. But you know, you'll never know that you have that to give unless you know that that is what you've received. The spirit of Jesus Christ that raised him from the dead lives on the inside of us. Of course we can pray for people to be healed. Of course we can pray for people to encourage them. You have received all that. You do have what it takes to help one person. Who's that person that you feel right now? Just think of a person. Somebody that you can be kind to this week. Somebody has been going through something and you feel, man, maybe I can offer my help. Maybe I can go to him and say, hey, can I help you with this? If you would like to, I can even pray with you over this. If God is reminding you of putting some name of a person, don't regard that as, ah, oh, that's just me thinking. No, 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 that's how the Holy Spirit guides us and leads us. He makes you think about somebody that you can go, oh, can I help you with that project? Hey, can I help you get your, I've reached my targets, let me help you reach yours. Why not? What's it going to take of you if you help another person reach his targets once you've reached yours? Nothing. Got to start thinking like that. All right. Second thing, you can join a team. You can join a team. We're always better when we're together. The Bible says that one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put ten thousand to flight. You see, the, the impact doesn't just add, it multiplies when we combine efforts. And really, this is what we are, where we are as a congregation. We're a team. And God made the church for the very purpose of creating teams of people that will go out and do good and heal people and help people through things that they are oppressing them. Help them get freedom from those things. God wants you to join a team. If you don't want to join this team, go find a team. But join a team. 
We're better and stronger when we're together. Mother Teresa said it like this. You can do things I can't do. I can do things you can't do. But to get, and together, we can do great things. We can do great things. Now, if I think of our, of our, of our, of our community, our Crowley, I was, we were praying in my life group. We were praying for, for Crowley the other day because there's like literally gang wars happening. Um, drug, drug lords are, uh, of Crowley and, and, and Jennings are fighting each other because over territory. Um, because of the, you know, the, 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 the trade routes that's happening between the cities that we're kind of central to. And uh, um, we were praying over that, and, and I realized, man, God's kingdom is needed in our area so bad, so bad. And I feel helpless against that as an individual. But I know if our church We'll start getting into our community and do good. You know what people will find when a group of people start doing good to a community? Hope. You know what drives people to criminal activity? Hopelessness. There's no other way for me. I have to do this. There's no other way to get by. I have to do this. It's hopelessness that drives people into extremities. But if we will raise a community that will provide hope again, we will see people from those areas come and say, I never want to do that. I never, I, I, I found myself in a situation where I felt that there was no other way. But I see, I see you guys providing a way. I see you guys providing a way. Come on, guys. I'm dreaming about that. I'm praying for that, that we will be a place that provides that for people. So join the team. We're currently busy with our life groups, and man, it's, it's the best time to get involved in a life group is now. You know, you can grow with people to a point, but then you have to start building relationship to continue growing. And life groups is our area where we really get together with other people, and we just share our lives. We share our journeys. It's not about, you know, um, uh, coming together and 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 and. and, and trying to show, you know, that we're great or that we've got it all together. It's in fact the opposite. It's coming together and letting us, letting one another know where we're really at and say, hey, we're in this together. We're going to grow together from where we are now moving forward. But you know what happens when you're in a, in, in a small group of people where others who are vulnerable share with they, what they're going through, yet we all confirm and affirm to one another that God is taking us somewhere. We're creating hope for one another and we're feeding off one another's faith. When you're strong and I'm weak, I can go, Lord, you did it for him. I believe you're going to do it for me. I can say, hey man, God did this for me. He'll do it for you. Let's stand together. Let's pray together. How can I help you? We get that going. We're going to be strong. The more healthy we grow in those little communities, the stronger we'll be as a community in our, in our bigger community, as a church in our bigger community. But here's the lies we face. I first have to fix myself before I can come. Look, listen to me closely. If you could have, you would have already. If you could have broken free from that thing, you would have already. Stop lying to yourself. Get in a team. Let the team carry you further than you can ever carry yourself. I'm a product of team and nothing else. You know what? I had, I had massive ambitions 
at some point in my life about becoming, you know, whatever. And I realized at some point that all those things are a vain pursuit because I was trying to do it alone. I was thinking just me. And right now, I would rather not be anybody specifically amazing and special, but be involved in something that is really special and really making a difference. Because I know the, the amazing blessing of just being a part of a family of people where everybody is strong for one another and I don't have to perform. I don't have to, you know, be strong if I'm not. Because I've got a bunch of people around me who will be strong when I'm weak. And if you don't think pastors can be weak, man, you don't want to be a part of this church because we get weak often. And we need our people around us. Like, I, 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 I want to be in life groups as much as I'm leading life groups. Because I need it. I'm human. And we all need to be there for one another. It doesn't mean that if we're weak, that we're disqualified. It simply means that when we're weak, Jesus' strength is going to shine better through it all. He's going to get even more glory because nobody's going to go, oh, wow, that was such an amazing pastor from South Africa. No, everybody's going to go, what? That happened? Through a pastor from South Africa? No, it didn't. It happened because we're part of a great people. It happened because he became a part of a great people. It's about us, not, not one person. Join the team. Number three, invest and invite. Our willingness to get involved in people's lives triggers heaven's willingness to get involved in ours. Let me tell you about my neighbor. My neighbor, so when, when, I, when I moved into town, uh, we didn't have anything. We had nothing. We had uh, our 18 suitcases that we came with from South Africa. That clothes and a little bit of, you know, books. Um, and uh, so... Everybody just rallied around us, and man, people blessed us. Now we have a house filled with, uh, with, with stuff that we're using um, as much as we can to serve this community and, 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 and so forth. But um, I, I haven't received a lawnmower yet. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm not making a, a suggestion. But my neighbor can, comes and says, hey, you know, um, w- would you like to use my lawnmower? And I'm like, man, that's generous of you, bro- uh, dude. I, I don't have a lawnmower. And of course... This comes after we've kind of become friends because when I arrived there, um, it, w- it would have been easy for me. I mean, I'm new. He's not in my church. So it would have been easy for me to just ignore him. Really, it would have. I, I didn't know him. Um, I could have just gotten like, okay, kids, this place has no fences. And let me tell you where the boundary line is. This here is where our property stops. And this, thou shalt not pass. <laughs> and whenever their kids come out, do not assume that you can go play. You come and ask me first. I will call them and I will ask them if that is okay. And I could have been like that and just ignored that they were there and waited for the inevitable at some point where I'd have to talk to them. But you know what? I did. We came in, we were hauling um, stuff into the house, and I saw him pull into his driveway, and I, I just put down the couch that I was carrying, and I walked over to him, and I said, hey man, I'm JJ, um, I'm from South Africa, we're joining OSC, um, you know, I just wanted to come say hi, we're going to live next to you guys, so, um, hey, by the way, I noticed we don't have fences here, no, it's quite new to us in South Africa, you have fences that you cannot look over. Um, and they're this thick, and they're made of brick and mortar. Um, 
everybody always goes like, what are you guys afraid of? <laughs> it's not that we're afraid of something. We're trying to keep stuff in. Those African kids can be wild, I'm telling you. I'm just messing. I'm just messing. Okay, um, so basically I said to them, you've got this amazing jungle gym in the backyard, and I just do not know how I'm going to get my kids to stay off of it. Um, so I just want to apologize in advance. Like, when I see them on it, I'll immediately come and I'll immediately go remove them. Um, but you know how kids are. Sometimes they don't listen. So for those moments that they don't listen and they do go on without permission, please just forgive me. I'll, I'll go and remove them. You can tell them to get off of it. You don't, you don't have to worry about that. I won't, I won't take offense. He was like, bro, are you serious? Come on, man. We've been, we've been wishing for, for a family with kids to, to move in next to us for, for years. So our kids, the first thing you got, uh, our kids did when, when, when you guys started arriving was like, Dad, there's kids. And like, so he said, dude, let them use it. Our kids would probably come out and play with them. And so we struck up this relationship. And, 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 and eventually um, he says, look, use my lawnmower. And I'm like, oh my God, okay, okay, thank you. I'll use your lawnmower, but here's the deal. I'll cut your grass when I cut my grass. And then if you want to, you know, while you're cutting your grass, you can cut my grass too, but you don't have to. I'll, I'll cut it. But just to say thank you for me to use your mower, whenever I cut mine, I'll cut yours. And he's like, no, no worries, man. I'll cut yours as well. And so right now, you know, we're doing good. Like he's, he's done it 20 times and I've done it about two times. And <laughs> man, life got busy all of a sudden. I'm like, man, I got to get home before Keegan. And of course, he's on this weird schedule where he's home for four nights and then three nights and then he works nights and then he works days. And like, I can never know when he's coming home so that I can beat him to mowing the lawn. So I would always like in the morning, I would go out. Oh, it's a good day. It's going to be dry enough to cut this afternoon when I get home. I'm going to cut the lawn, and then I, then I get home, and then the lawn is cut. I'm like, oh, dang it. He's like, beat me again. But what a great environment to raise kids in, where I'm friends with the guy next to me, and we're looking out for each other, and we're doing it together. And um, I mean, now he's, his kids come over. I mean, they knock on the door. In the beginning, I'm like, goodness, somebody's knocking on my back door. And then I'm from South Africa. And then um, now I'm just like, come in, Emmett, you know. <laughs> You're like, hey, can I go play? He's like, go for it. They're in the rooms, you know. And so Emmett comes and they, and then they come out and they go play and they come in. And like, it's just amazing. It's just amazing. But it didn't start off like that, you know. It it was developed. It was built because now we're investing in one another, you know. And so life groups came around this season. I'm like, hey man, do you guys want to join our marriage life group? And they're like, what's that? <laughs> I'm like, well. It's just a couple of couples that get together and then we listen to some material that help us build good marriages, you know, and serve our spouses and learn how to love them like God wants us to love each other. And like, he's like, well, I've never been in anything like that, but sure, I'll, I'll give it a try. And so now they're in our marriage life group and they're enjoying it and they're opening up and they're sharing from their lives what's been, you know, what, what they're learning. And, and it's, just, it's just awesome how when you start investing in people, relationship, helping, just offering your life to be a part of their lives, how easy it is to get them to become a part of what you're doing and where you're going with things. And that's why it's so necessary for us. Now, I mean, he's a great guy. It might be more difficult with your neighbor. I don't know. But the very, the very thing you can do is start praying for him. And, and if you can serve them, look, if, they're, if their yard is looking trashy, why don't you just get in there and just help start cleaning it? Do you guys think heaven is dirty? It's not. How many of you have prayed the Our Father prayer before? What do we pray? 
Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Did Eden get created and it was just a mess? No. There was a beautiful garden. It was kept. Somebody was put in place to look after it. God's kingdom doesn't just save people's lives internally. It changes how we live externally. It changes how we manage our households. It changes how we manage our chores. It changes how we manage our yards and our properties. The internal always has to start manifesting externally. I'm telling you, if you offer to clean somebody else's yard and haul away some trash, you're doing the work of the kingdom of God. Because God's stepping into a place always changes things for the better, always brings order, structure, beauty into a place. Think about our community. Think about our town. How can we do? What can we do to make our town look more like heaven? It's not just about spreading the gospel. It's practical. It's engaging our city officials with ideas. How can we serve the community? Very soon, December the 14th, we're going to have a serve day. And it's going to be life group based. Each and every one of our life groups, we're going to give the opportunity to go and serve somebody in town. Because that's how the kingdom of God operates. It's not a religion. It is a whole new lifestyle. And that lifestyle brings God's image into everything, not just people's lives. It brings God's image into our physical infrastructure of our city. Think of what can happen in our city when a group of people start working towards creating an environment that looks like heaven. Come on, there's so much more we can achieve if we start investing, if we start dreaming about our city, if we start dreaming about our environment. The lives we can change, the things we can do um, to, to help people step out of poverty. You think, you think people who want to start new businesses are going to start their new businesses in a rundown place with the infrastructure falling apart? No. They want to go to where something's happening. If they start seeing people cleaning the streets, paving the pavement, making sure the infrastructure works, making sure that our systems are op properly operating, that's where people want to start new businesses. You know what new businesses does? It, break, it, brings, it brings jobs. It creates economic um, move forward. Go, go ahead. Does this sound like a political speech? Well, guess what? The kingdom of God is a government. It's not a religion. It wants to change an environment. But it starts by changing a life. It starts by showing a life that, hey, you can get free from the stuff you're struggling with. You can have hope that God loves you, that He's for you, and He wants you to excel. And as you start excelling and a person next to you starts excelling, very soon we're going to have a massive impact in this community, in this environment. So... We're going to deal with people whose lives are tied up in a couple of things. You're going to hear people say things like, I am not in a church. I am not doing well. I am not prepared for what I need to deal with. Like, man, I got pregnant by accident and I'm not prepared for this. Well, you know what those people need to hear? First and foremost, they need to hear this. Well, don't worry, we're not church people. We're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. I think you'll love our church. Come and see what we're about. People need to hear that, hey, it's not always going well with us either. But I'm part of a community that helps and stands by each other when we're going through tough things. Why don't you want to come and be a part of that? People need to hear, hey, 
if you need a help to deal with this thing that, is, that has jumped on you, that has surprised you, why don't you come and join a group of people that can serve you, that can help you, that can share wisdom with you, that can help you carry that load? If we show people that there's hope and that there's a way, people will respond. But they first have to know that we are for them before they'll know that Jesus wants to be a part of their lives. So why don't we get some specific invitations to people out this week? If God puts it on your heart, that person that you give that invite card to, just tell them, hey, come sit by me this Sunday. You don't have to come and be alone. We'll sit at the back, but I'll sit with you. Just come. Just come and see what we're about. I bet you people will respond way better to that personal invite than, hey, you need to come. And, and, and not knowing who's going to receive them when they come. Make it as personal as possible. And then number three, God is calling us to be a part of this good news tour. He's calling us to be generous with our resources. He's calling us to jump in. He wants us to, to take what we got and invest it in this thing and be generous with it. There were a group of people that walked with Jesus. And the amazing thing is that the Bible says here in, in Luke 8, it calls out the names of the woman, Mary Magdalene, Susanna, Joanna. Uh, Joanna was the wife of a, of, 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 um, um, a guy who managed uh, King Herod's uh, household. Um, and it says here, many other women who supported Jesus' ministry from their own personal finances also traveled with him. You guys remember Jesus sending Peter to catch a fish with a coin in it? You guys remember that story? If you haven't, there's, a, there's, there's an account in the Bible of Jesus sending Peter to go catch a fish and the fish had money in its mouth so that they could pay their taxes. Listen yeah, Jesus didn't need people's money. He could do what he did without people's money. He wanted them to be involved in the miracles. He wanted them to have a part of the work that he was doing. He was saying to them, come and invest in this. Be a part of what God is doing in my ministry. And people followed him and people were generous in their support of his ministry. He didn't want them to just watch the miracle. He wanted them to be a part of making it happen. Church don't need your money. But we want you to be a part of the miracle that God is going to create in this city. We want you to look back with us 10 years from now and say, hey, remember that day when we were still in Cinema 4, when we were still falling asleep because the chairs bent back so far. When we were still <laughs> Remember those days. Those days we were praying, we were hoping, we were dreaming together. We were investing our money. We were investing our time, our resources, our effort, our influence. We were investing. We were saying, how can we help one person? Remember that? Oh, yeah, I remember that. All right, look at what we got right now. We've got our own church campus. We're reaching hundreds of people with the gospel of Jesus. And we're making this city look like heaven, operate like heaven. Man, I, if, you, if you can see that with us, I want you to jump in with us and do this with us. It's going to take a team effort, but we can do it. We can do it. Here's a lie that you're going to face. I don't have enough for myself. Look, you don't even have enough for yourself to do all that God is wanting you to do personally. You don't. You're simply going to have to step into that place where you learn to trust your source. 
like he gives you another 24 hours every day, he's going to keep giving. You can stop the flow by hoarding, but if you don't, see, here's the thing. Our giving is a reflection of our trusting. We think that we need to achieve everything with what we've received right now. And so we're, we're, it's, it's hard to give. But if you realize that that's not all you're ever going to receive, he's going to keep giving. He's going to keep providing. You, you can be free to give. Because you know more will come in. Your giving reflects your trusting. Do you really trust him to be your provider? Or do you trust your paycheck? Your paycheck is not enough for what God wants to do through your life. You've got to give it away. You've got to give it away to get to where and what He wants for you to see. And I promise you this, if you'll start doing that, you'll become part of the miracle. You'll start becoming part of the solution. It comes back to us not living this Christian life for us but truly living this Christian life for God and for His kingdom and for what He wants to see happen in our environment. I want to invite you to making Jesus the center of your life. And then, I want to let you guys know, on November the 17th, we're going to do what we call a legacy offering. Each year we have a time where we present things that we feel God has led us to embark on in the next year. And then we ask people to prepare an offering for that, to be involved in what God is going to do. Last year, we were able to get enough finances to this year, beginning of the year, build an entire kids facility debt-free at the Jennings campus. This year, we were, in, uh, we were, we were given a building at the Eunice campus that they moved onto the property that they're now going to revamp to be their kids' facility. And they're able to, through this, make that facility available to change the lives of kids that are going to come to our church. What are we trusting God for? I'm trusting God for our own building. Trusting God that He would give us a place where we can continue to transform this community. But we want you to be part of the miracle. So go and pray about it. How does God want you to be involved in this? And then get ready for that when that time comes around. Here's the first thing, though, that needs to happen. The first thing is that you need to know God is for you. God wants you to be in a relationship with Him. And Christianity is not about following a new set of rules. It's about stepping into a relationship with God. It's about accepting that you cannot make yourself righteous or good enough to be accepted by God. You cannot. You cannot do enough good. You cannot give enough money. You cannot give enough time. You cannot do enough for God in this city to make Him accept you based on what you've done for Him. Because that is not how He works. He works with relationship. And here's what He said we need to do to step into relationship with Him. He wants us to trust that what He did on the cross was enough to pay our debt and to declare us debt-free. That means you do not have 
to do anything to receive your salvation. And all of that I'm all that I've explained here today is a result of us knowing and loving Him, not an effort to get love from Him. And none of this that we talked about today is necessary for your salvation. And that's the beauty of Christianity, is there's no ransom. <laughs> against us once we've received Jesus Christ it's done he's paid it all I want us to stand up today and I'm going to ask you to think of this have you made a decision and have you talked to God and have you said to God Lord I trust you and you alone for my salvation or are you still banking on your good works and your effort to become acceptable by God at some point, hoping that one day your good will outweigh your bad when you have to meet Him? God wants you to step into a relationship with Him today. And the only thing that He's asking you to do is to stop trusting in yourself and your own good works to get right with Him, but to put your trust in what He's done for you. If you're here today and you've never done that and you would like to do that today, why don't you put up your hand and we'll pray. I want to put my trust in Jesus Christ alone for my salvation. Put your hand up. Was that a hand? Did I see a hand? You've got to think about this more. And you don't need to be in a church to do this. You don't need to be with a pastor to do this. All you need to do is you need to get quiet and have a real honest conversation with your heavenly father and say this to him, Lord, I'm stopping trusting in myself and I'm accepting what you did on the cross for me. I believe that you died for me and you faced hell for me, so I don't have to. Please accept me into your family. Thank you that you are now my father. That's all. You pray that with sincerity of heart. The Bible says a miracle will take place on the inside of you and you'll become born again. You'll become born into his family as a child of God, having done nothing to deserve it, but having faith in Jesus Christ. And that puts you in line, not puts you in line, that guarantees you eternal life. Because the Bible says this is eternal life, that we know him, that we know him. All right, let's pray as we close today. Father, I thank you for the awesome privilege of walking in your presence, walking in relationship with you. Thank you, Lord, that none of our efforts and none of the things we, we hope to achieve and our goals are, are done in a way as to try and get your attention, to try and get you to uh, forgive us for of things that we've done. None of this, Lord, is done for the purpose of trying to make us good enough to be accepted by you, but simply because we're living a life with, of, of so much thanksgiving because of what you've done for us, what you've granted to us by your grace, Lord. Father, we stand before you forgiven and set free from our sin and from the punishment of sin. And we thank you for that today in the name of Jesus. And as, as we pray, Father, over the people here, we thank, I thank you, Lord, that you will guide each and every one of them who have not made this decision yet, Father, where they go, that they will 
get a moment where they can make that decision to commit to following you, Father. Lord, we love you. We love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for helping us throughout this week. In Jesus' name, amen.